So I got the call this morning, and Pastor Jimmy said, man, I really hate to do this to you. He said, but I'm really sick. And I said, okay. And he said, so I need you to preach. I said, okay. And my thought initially was, what I would do is, is I would simply preach on what he was going to speak on. And so what I, uh, what I did is I said, well, I need to figure out, because I was trying to think back to staff meeting, because we always talk about what he's going to be speaking on. So I thought, well, let me, let me think back to what in the world he was going to speak on. I couldn't figure it out and couldn't figure it out. So I went ahead and got ready and came up here. And um, when I came up here, I went and got a bulletin and I looked. And do we have that slide? This is what I saw. Who told you you were naked? Now, there are two ways to say N-A-K-E-D. One way is naked, which means that you have no clothes on. The other way is naked, which means you have no clothes on and you're up to something. And I wasn't sure which way Pastor Jimmy was going to go with it. I didn't want to call him, and so I scrubbed that idea. All right? And so I'm thinking since it's Mother's Day that I would speak on something from the Food Network. Uh, One of my favorite shows, and yes, you guys, you can't have my man card after this, but I really love the show called Unwrapped. Unwrapped. Has anybody ever watched Unwrapped? Anyone? Unwrapped. Unwrapped, let me tell you what they do in Unwrapped. What they do is, is they, is they take uh, any food, like different food items, like they'll have, they'll have candy bars. And so they'll go through and they'll show you how a candy bar is made. And what they do is they basically unwrap it and they go through each process. What they actually do is they go through and they find out what exactly is inside of that particular product. And they do it for all kinds of stuff. And so I thought what I would do today is, is I would talk a little bit about unwrapped. Let's turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Now, John, and I don't have it up here. John chapter 11. So please take your Bibles, turn there, and I'll give you a minute. It's a story that we're all familiar with. We're familiar with the death of Lazarus. The death of Lazarus. John chapter 11. And this is what it says. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus. And this is what they said. They said, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews were were trying to stone you. And yet you were going to go back. Jesus answered, 
Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly this, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. Skip down a few verses to verse 38. It says this. Now, Jesus has come. He's at the tomb there. And this is what it says. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Then Jesus said this, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Unwrapped. Becoming unwrapped. I think about the death of Lazarus and the whole scenario. And I have to let you know that there are some things about it that I really think that we can learn about our own lives especially about the process of our own lives as it relates to the process of God Himself unwrapping us. Peeling off those layers and getting down deep inside and seeing what's really there, showing us the ingredients of what it is that God has put inside of us and maybe that other people have put inside of us. Today, y'all, I'm going to talk about four different things, the process of becoming unwrapped. And here's the first one. Sometimes our unwrapping confuses others as well as us. Sometimes our unwrapping confuses us and other people. If you read the Scripture, you will see clearly that the, the disciples that were with him were very, very confused. I'd like to go back to this scenario and, and I'd like to go back in time and see what Jesus' face looked like when he began to speak. There's a lot of reasons we know they were confused. The first is, is that what they said is they said, listen, they said, he's going to get well if he needs, if, you know, if he sleeps. So we, we don't want to go and, and mess that up very confusing. Oh, we don't want to go mess it up. No, no, he's dead. Oh, oh, okay. And then you go on and you see 
Thomas, he says this, he says, let us go so that we may die with him. Now, the scenario I imagine you guys is this. Jesus is here. He's had the talk. He's waited two days. He's on his way. He's getting ready. And Jesus says, we're going to go. And they said, no, no, if you go, you're going to get killed. Because remember, they were trying to kill you before. No, we're going to walk in the daytime, right? Okay, well, let's everybody go. Let's everybody go. And so Jesus has finally convinced them, okay, we're going to go, and there's going to be something great happen. And then right at the end, right at the very end, right when he thinks he's got them understanding what it is that they're going to do, understanding why they're going to do it, right at the end, there's that one part where Thomas says, He's walking, he's getting ready. Uh, Okay, let's go so that we may die with him. And you know, Jesus had to go. (sighs) Okay, let's go. How many times did he teach when they were confused? How many times did he say things and they took it and they got it all mixed up And they looked at it, and it made no sense to them. Jesus, being a teacher, had to stay somewhat frustrated with his pupils. A lot of times I think he's still frustrated with us a little bit. Another thing is is that Martha, Martha and Mary, they were there. And so the disciples are confused. Martha and Mary are there, and and they're like, okay, well, tell him to come. And, and they knew he could come, and they knew he had time to come, and they knew their brother was sick, and they knew that Jesus loved him, but he waited. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited. And Martha and Mary, you got to know that they kept looking out. They kept looking out. They kept looking out. I know when my dad, when my dad died, for three days, we walked up and down the aisle up and down the, the, the corridors and everything of a hospital. And every doctor that would come out, I would look and see if he was coming to talk to us. And I didn't know, so I'd wait there and he would walk right by me. And every doctor and every nurse, and I constantly was there waiting, waiting for the miracle to happen. Waiting for them to tell me that my dad had woken up. Waiting for them. Waiting, waiting, waiting. And I looked, and I looked, and no, and I was confused. Don't you know Mary and Martha were sitting there and they were so confused? And don't you know that when their brother finally breathed his last, they were so confused? They were so confused. So the disciples are confused. Mary and Martha are confused. But have you ever considered Lazarus? On his deathbed, Very sick. Laying there. I imagine he's got a window view. And he's looking at the road. And every person that came over the horizon, he had to look a little closer and say, Is that Jesus? Is that Jesus? A lot of times, our unwrapping is confusing to us and to other people. A friend of mine in high school, she began to throw up after eating starting when she was 15 years old. Whenever she was 19, she 
had to start going and get some help for that. But she continued to do it. And she continued and she continued. And I'll never forget, I asked her, she had made a decision she was going to stop doing it. And I said, well, listen, I said, how do you know you've decided? She goes, well, my, my, uh, this guy who's very spiritual, he's very spiritual. He, he told me, he, he told me that if I did it again, that God was going to kill me. And she bought it. And I said, really? I said, you know, Kelly, that doesn't sound like the God that I know. I'm way confused. She was way confused. When God unwraps us, sometimes we get very confused. The second thing is this. Our unwrapping will come in God's time if we allow it. One of the most interesting things is that, is that and it's almost like a, like a parallel. Let me read it to you. Um, he, he says this. He says, um, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. Two more days. Whenever I was 19 years old, I gave my life to Christ. And I immediately knew that God was calling me into the ministry. I can't explain it, but I knew that God was calling me into the ministry. And so I got really excited about it. And I went home and I told my mom and dad. And my mom and dad said this. They said, you can't support a family as a pastor. And I said, no, I really can. And here I am, 19, and I'm trying to convince them. But what happened is, is they convinced me. And what God wanted to do with me is, is God wanted to start the process of unwrapping me. Yet what I did is I put it off for 15 years. 15 years. And really it wasn't until my dad passed away that I went into full-time ministry. You can spiritualize that all you want. I don't know. But I just got to think there's something there. God wanted to start the process of unwrapping me. But what ended up happening was, was I did not allow it to occur. I didn't allow it to occur. A lot of times, because what we do is we get into the process of being unwrapped. And sometimes those things are a lot harder than we first thought they were going to be. And so what happens is, is that we do not want God to do that. And so we no longer will allow it to happen because it's much more comfortable to stay where we are. It's much more comfortable to stay in the grave clothes than it is the pain of unwrapping them off of us. A friend of mine shared a story about his unwrapping. He said they were in a church service. He said he was pretty down on his luck. He said he had just a few dollars, just a few bucks in the bank. Had no concept of where money was going to come from. No idea. Sitting in the service. He was sitting there and someone got up and told a story. Someone got up and told a story and they said, we've got this family and they need help and we've got to raise this amount of money. And immediately God spoke to him and said, if you gave that, you would have about 50 bucks left over 
So give it. And he said, uh, do what? He said, if you gave that, you'd have about 50 bucks left over. I want to show you my power. Give it. And he says, okay. And it's amazing because he marks that time in his life to where God, that was the start of his unwrapping. That was the tearing of the candy bar package. And he shows, his life shows that God has done more and more and more and more and more. But it's in God's timing. And only if we allow it. The third thing is this. And this is something I think a lot of people get confused about. And I shared with this to students on the Wednesday night. God provides the power... But you guys, we do the work. A lot of times what people want is, is they want a magic pill. Okay? What they want is, is, is what we do is, is we come here and we just literally just flood the altar. We flood it. And what we do is, is we give everything over to God. And then we go back to our seats. And we leave here. Feeling better momentarily, but my Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, we're back in the same routine because we've changed nothing since we gave things to God on Sunday. God provides the power. He provides the power for us to do the work. I've got a friend from Tennessee, and they really, really um, want to lose weight. They're fairly large, and they just want to lose weight. And, and it's been a struggle for them since high school. And they're in their 40s, and they just want to lose weight, and want to lose weight, and want to lose weight, and want to lose weight. The interesting thing is about this friend of mine is that every time I go to their house, their pantry is flooded with Twinkies and Ho-Hos and, and you know, all kinds of stuff in there. It's tons and tons and tons of stuff. And they always say, you know, I have no idea why I can't lose weight. I'm like, dude, get rid of the Twinkies, man. Maybe that would be a first start, okay? I'm just saying, a lot of times, we get angry sometimes with God because we don't want to do the work. God provides the power, but we do the work. And it's very rare whenever you snap your fingers and it ends. That sin you have ends. It's very rare. It's very rare. A lot of times, you guys, we have to do whatever we have to do to get where God wants us to be. You know, sometimes the unwrapping, the unwrapping is making the counseling appointment. Sometimes the unwrapping is deciding that you just can't be around that friend anymore. Sometimes the unwrapping is cutting up the credit card. Sometimes the unwrapping is making a decision to stop what you're doing and throwing everything and asking God, God, please give me the power not to do this. Please give me the power, God. I told the kids this story Wednesday night. Uh, I hate 
roller coasters. Um, when I say I hate roller coasters, I hate roller coasters. All right. And so I, I always used to take we used to take trips over to Six Flags when we first moved here. And, and my job was always to watch Blake. All right. Uh, I watched Blake and my psychotic daughter and wife. They would go ride all these big roller coasters. All right. And so Blake and I, we would be on the mine train. And that sucker can get scary, too, over there. Uh, the mine train. <laughs> it's one of those things where you have to I have to squeeze in. It's like me and a bunch of kids. I'm going, hey, this is cool. Uh, <clears throat> And, and we would get on the Wiley Coyote, all right? And I love the little planes that you get in the box and it lifts you up, but it gets a little too high. But it flies you around and flies you around. And, uh, and it's always embarrassing when I do that, but, uh, it, it's pretty fun. I'll, I'll do it for Blake. And the little, the little, uh, um, the, the balloon things that lifts you up and then come down, lift you up and come down. It's so funny. Uh, Michelle Akash is a, Close friend of mine, I love her. She's scared of heights too, and so we uh, uh, we did that uh, we did that little balloon thing. And she got off. She goes, "Bro, I ain't even going kidding. That was a little freaky. It was a little freaky, dude. The dip. It was a little freaky." I was like, "Michelle, we were ten feet off the ground. I don't care, dude. It was freaky. It was a little freaky." Uh, I hate roller coasters. We really wanted to go to Disney World, uh, and so we decided to book the trip to Disney World. And so, to be quite honest, God's been doing a lot of unwrapping with me lately. And uh, it's been sort of painful. I don't really like it all, but He has. He's been doing a lot of unwrapping with me. And so, uh, somehow, in the process of prayer and, and talking and thinking and all this kind of stuff, I just felt like God wanted me just to be a big kid at Disney World. And I was like, cool, I'll be a big kid. I'll get the ice cream and the funnel cake. And He said, no, 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 no. He said, uh, I want you to ride... The roller coasters. And uh, I said, okay. I didn't tell anybody this, by the way. I didn't tell anybody in the family this. And so we go the first day, uh, and I rode a few of them that were sort of smaller. But the next day, we went to Adventure Island. And uh, they don't have small ones at Adventure Island. It's like you're either full guns or you're a chicken. All right? And I got chicken legs, but I didn't want to be a chicken. Okay? So I... uh, I decided that I was going to do this, and so we went there, and uh, first I took Blake, and then I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to chicken out, God, I'm going to do it. And so we went over, and, and there's this roller coaster at Adventure Island called the Hulk, okay? Now, the Hulk is basically from Satan, all right? It, it, it's a tube, it's, it's a tube, and it goes straight up, and you can see, that's what makes it from Satan, you can see it. And you, you get strapped in, and it goes from, from zero to 60 miles per hour in two seconds. Literally, two seconds. And so, Wendy goes with Blake somewhere, and, and, and Bailey and I are going to walk over, and we're going to ride the Spider-Man ride with the whole family. We're going to meet them there. So we're sitting there, and um, we're just sitting there looking. Spider-Man's here. The Hulk is right there. And I'm having this thought in my mind. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And finally... I said, hey, Bailey, let's go ride the Hulk. And she looked at me and she goes, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I said, no, I'm serious. Let's go ride the Hulk. And you better do it now because I'm going to back out if we don't. And so we go and we get on the Hulk. Now, you have to know something about my daughter. She, she doesn't matter if you ride the roller coaster. If you don't raise your hands up when you're on the roller coaster, you are a chicken. 
Okay, that's her. You are a chicken. And so she goes, she, so we get strapped in, and I'm like double and triple checking, going, okay, am I going to roll over? And, and so, because I knew we were shooting out that thing, and the first thing it does is go upside down, like five or six, 12 times. It was really bad. And so I'm sitting here, and I buckle in, I buckle into this roller coaster, and, and I'm sitting here, and um, Bailey looks over, and she goes, hey, Dad. I said, yeah. She said, you're going to raise your hands, aren't you? And I said, I don't know. She goes, no, Dad. If you're going to ride a roller coaster, man, you've got to raise your hands. And I said, okay, fine, I'll raise my hands. So I'm sitting there, and I decided something. I'm here in the seat, so apparently God's given me the power to do this. I decided that I was going to worship God with my hands lifted high <laughs> on the roller coaster. It's a true story, y'all. I wish it wasn't. So Bailey is going, woohoo! And I'm going, please God, let me not get out of there. Literally, for the rest of the week, they all thought that I was having a blast. I was praying, man. I was praying that I was not going to die on these roller coasters. With my hands lifted high, I was praying every single time. But you know what? I did it and I had a good time doing it. After it was over, I had a great time riding the roller coaster. Sometimes you have to do the things and God will provide the power. The final thing is this. Most of the time, God sends others to unwrap you. Friends, various people. I want to ask Wendy and Missy Askey to come up here, please. We always play games in our student ministry, so we're going to play a game today. Anyone want to play a game, you guys? You guys want to play a game? Anybody? Trey, you come up with me. Marissa, come on up. That'll be fun. Marissa, you come up. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody want to play a game? Students, anybody want to play a game? For real. Come on. Come on. Come on. Bailey, you come up, and Leighton, you come up. It'll be fun, all right? Now, you guys didn't know this, but we have toilet paper stashed under the stage. Just in case of accidents, all right? So, let's say this. Let's say, Trey and Bailey, you guys stand over here. Missy, you stand, you guys stand over there. Missy, you stand right here, okay, with me. Turn around, facing this way, okay? Wendy, you stand right here. All right, here's your two rolls, all right? Here's your two rolls, all right? Now, when I was on the Bozo Show, I was seven years old. I was on the Bozo Show. And one of the games, I was not the clown, no, I was not, uh, but, but listen, I was on the Bozo Show, and, and one of the things we had to do is we had to wrap someone in toilet paper. So today, we're going to have a competition. We're going to see who can, who can do the best. You have to do the best. It has to be good. It has to stay on, okay? And we're going to give them two minutes to do it. You got, who you guys think is going to win? This team? Anybody? Okay, I know it's church, but you can clap and stuff. This team? Okay, not much luck. This team? Yeah, I think here we go. Okay, you ready? Now, we're going to let them go. Now, you guys have to wrap them up like a mummy in toilet paper, okay? And you do not, you let them stay like they are, okay? Ready? On your mark, get set, go.
the good kids. Stray doing for real. <laughs> I don't have that much experience toilet paper. He said he never TP'd a he never TP'd a yard before, so I'm one of the good kids. Obviously, Marissa is excellent at it. <laughs> okay, you guys got 30 seconds. Bailey's pretty good at it too, Barry. <laughs> Bailey is pretty good at it too, Barry. <laughs> All right, 15 seconds. All right, 10 seconds. Count with me. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Stop. And you guys don't move. Okay. By applause, we're going to say who did, who did better, okay? This team. This team. I think this team won. All right, thank you, guys. Y'all have a seat. Stay where you are. Stay where you are. Thank you. Here, I'm not going to give it to the students. Matt, there you go. So when I was on the Bozo Show, we ended up winning. And uh, we did. We won. And it was a really fun thing. But I said to you guys that most of the time, God sends others to help unwrap us. In the Scripture, if you look in the Scripture, and a lot of people overlook this, if you look in the Scripture, one of the things it says is this. Jesus says, Lazarus come forth. Lazarus comes forth. He's still got the grave clothes on and he's there. And one of the things Jesus says is, what is that? What happened? Jesus goes over and unwraps him, right? No, that's not what happens. You know what happens? What happens is, is that Jesus looks at Lazarus's friends and says this, Get those grave clothes off of him. Is there anybody besides Jeff Cannon that will come and get the grave clothes off him? Anybody? Anybody? Thank you. You can have a seat. The amazing thing about God is, is that He unwraps us, but oftentimes He uses people that, is, that are closest to us to take off the wrapping and to reveal to us who He really is. It's an amazing, an amazing thing. We're constantly looking upward, and I think God's saying, hey, just look around. Listen to those people who are trying to help you. Look at what you have in your life. 
Look at the people that I've surrounded you with. Look at your church family. Look at that coworker who loves you enough to tell you the truth. Those are the people. Remember, Jesus said this. He said, take those grave clothes off of him. And it was the people that were closest to Lazarus that did it. Are you willing today to be unwrapped? It's not easy. It's not easy. Are you willing to be unwrapped? If you are, I want to invite you to simply tell God, God, starting today, I want you to unwrap me. God, starting right now, I want to be the person that you want me to be. I want to live a life that is on your plan and on your purpose. Will you allow God to unwrap you? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, God. God, we're so amazed at the fact that you would, God, that you would just love us enough to send people in our lives to give us things in our lives that happen that we don't understand, God, but that you do. God, we're so thankful that you don't take, there's nothing left over with you. You take all the little stuff here and there, our experiences, some of our hurts, our pains, our joys. You take it all, God, and you use it for our good and your glory. And so, Lord God, right now, we ask you to unwrap us. As a church, unwrap us. God, let us us see who it is that we are and move forward with the plan that you have for this church body. But God, we know it starts with individuals. It starts with open hearts and open minds. And God, it starts with a willingness to step forward and be unwrapped. To start the process, God, of being unwrapped. Going through the difficult time, knowing you give the power, but we do the work. Lord, we ask you to deliver us from that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.